And now the moment we've all been waiting for. I am Nate Riggle, and you are listening to The Way of the Bonfire. Hey, welcome back. I'm excited today because we're starting to, I got on and looked at the statistics. Not that I'm super obsessed with this or anything, but at least not yet. <laughs> but we're starting to get more interest in listeners from from different countries on the way of the bonfire. And that excites me because it means we're having an impact out there. Um, and even if it's just, a, a you know, it's embryo stage, this little idea that was inside of my head just not seeing the light of day that I decided to get feed and give some interest and focus to is now starting to become a real living thing. And as it grows, there's more for you to look forward to and and to anticipate. And now that we've gotten past that soft launch and I've overcome some of the obstacles that were slowing down the momentum, the next phase is that I'm committing to two things. Number one, more structure and useful content. And what that looks like is a recurring series focused on themes. We've already got a couple of series in the weekly curiosity challenge. And if you look down through the podcast player, you will see that outside of the normal episodes of the podcast, I currently do a focus series called the forgotten secret of, which is where we focus on reviving something amazing that seems to either be getting less prevalent or mostly a lost art already due to distractions and the rapid pace of the modern world and the accelerating pace of the modern world. And it's something that's easy to forget or overlook if you're not being intentional. The first one was kind of a meta (laughs) in that it was the the forgotten secret of paying attention, but we're going to continue that one. We're going to continue the weekly curiosity series. Hopefully some of those curiosity challenges have been impactful in your life and you're going to, keep doing them and, and sharing them with your friends. And, you know, there was one we did on the weekly curiosity challenge that w- was the last one. It was capture your idea. And that's kind of the, the idea behind what's happening here and why I'm so excited about this podcast is I first wrote it down and then I decided to keep feeding it. And on the, the other side of the the curiosity challenge, there was one we did that was do it anyway, or yeah, that, that was the the name of the curiosity challenge with the idea being when you have resistance in your mind this week or, or whatever, you know, whenever you're doing this things that you're making excuses about the challenge that week was to do it anyway. And I just listened to this great podcast by Andrew Huberman, who is on the Huberman lab who most people, I mean, he's really pop, popular podcast, but it's really interesting because the findings that he shared in How to Increase Your Willpower is the name of the episode was that as we do things that we don't frankly want to do and we, it, you know, engage with that resistance and push against it, it increases our willpower in other areas of our life. So I knew I was onto something. I just didn't know the science behind it. And, and really, if I'm putting anything out there on this podcast, it's not just an idea or something to fill the time. It's because I, I truly believe that this is something that can be impactful based on my experiences and on my intense curiosity and, and observation of the world around me. So take it for what it is. We, I hope you continue to keep trying those, those weekly curiosity challenges. And the new one today that I'm launching is the third series in the way of the bonfire called lessons from everywhere and lessons from everywhere is where I package up a nice little package for you and and deliver a list of 10 things I've learned from someone or a group of people or an experience or an industry or a category out there that has brought a lot of value to me. And they're really tips um, that you can use and it illustrates that curiosity and perspective is all around us and, and ready to be discovered. So um, I do claim to have some great value and unique advice to offer, but please understand that it's not because I claim to have found this wisdom through my own virtue or intellect or genius or some prestigious degree or qualification. Those are not my gifts. But I do have a secret weapon that I know how to wield. 
One of my greatest inherent talents has been insatiable curiosity and the will to try lots of things and actively learn lessons from others. Because that's the intent that I have as as I try things and I go through life and remember them and turn them into something anyone can benefit from. Sometimes it's hard to see the lesson in things. And I think that we we should all be sharing the lessons that we learn from sometimes unlikely places, sometimes obvious places, because sometimes our lesson and moral of the story is going to be different from others. And it's a brand new angle. We've got to build a community of these perspectives so that we can, it's kind of like coming to a potluck, right? You, if you, if you have dinner for yourself, you get one thing. If you have a potluck and everybody brings something different or a side or whatever it is, you still spent the same amount of money and energy to per, to contribute. But now you, because you engage the community, you get so much more in options at that potluck. And that's the idea of, of what I'm doing here with, with lessons from everywhere. I like to compare my gift of, of being able to, to synthesize these, this curiosity and these lessons from some, from these different places. Um, and to, to kind of absorb things from, from different people around me. Um, I like to compare this gift to a superhero's powers, um, and if, if I were to pick a superhero, it'd be rogue from the X-Men. She's the one that has the ability to absorb and copy the attributes and memories and powers and strength of other superheroes. It's almost like wishing for more wishes or it's kind of like a cheater superpower, right? Because you get them. It's not like you're, you're comparing styles and saying, oh, can the person with the laser beams beat the, beat the person with, you know, the ability to fly. It's this one we can have access to a lot of things that, that we didn't necessarily have to work as hard for because someone else has found a way to embody them. And if you want a cuter example, I'm, I'm, I'm like Kirby from the Nintendo video game franchise. You know, the guy that pretty much does the same thing by swallowing up somebody and pooping them out and then having their powers. So I went from, from deep to superheroes to, to Nintendo characters and th- that's kind of the point is lessons there's lessons everywhere there's ability to relate things that that we can go and, and collect and, and share with each other and it's going to be me passing on these powers that i've absorbed and retained and i'm putting them out there for you to copy and improve upon if you so choose to my last disclaimer is i'm not claiming to have all the answers or to be perfect at consistently implementing them but i'm pretty relentless at finding them and being a guinea pig to see if they work. Because sometimes it's annoying to have to try everything just to, it's almost like like a big Easter egg hunt and you don't have time to find all the Easter eggs. So might as well see what other people have found. I've put them through my own filters and I want to encourage you to do the same. I'm not saying that you should agree with me on everything or that this is the only way. And that's why it's called perspective. It's just an angle that I have that I feel is very useful. And I wouldn't, like I said before, I wouldn't put it out there if I, I was still on the fence about it. I've tested it out. And I know that it's helpful, at least for people that have similar experiences to me or, or have, you know, had similar challenges. As one of my great mentors, Sam Crowley from the Everyday is Saturday podcast says, harvest the best and throw away the rest. All right, let's get cracking. Today's category and lessons from everywhere is lessons from the garbage men. Yeah, you heard that right. The garbage men. I've had a lot of, of blue collar and white collar jobs in my time. It kind of reminds me of Billy Madison where he's like, I was a janitor. And then and then I was, <laughs> he's always riding that <laughs> a different thing when he does it. But yeah, it's been kind of cool to see the different worlds of blue collar and white collar. And I have a lot of respect for both. Um, lines of work and industries and I've milked them for every drop of wisdom and experience that I can manage my job early in my career after getting laid off from a software company during the height of the 2008-2010 recession when there were there just weren't jobs right people with doctorate and master's degrees were applying for entry level jobs and I was 
I, I ended up getting a job, the hardest job I've ever had working silly hours every week. I'm not going to tell them to you because you won't believe me. But um, I was a supervisor at a large waste management company, like one of the largest in the U.S. And I, I wasn't the garbage truck driver who had to go and collect all the trash, but I did have to learn how to drive the trucks and get a commercial driver's license so I could train the drivers on new technology. I could train new employees in safety, understand and plan to manage their trash and recycling routes. Um, so I could be like a second set of eyes to help everybody stay safe out on their routes and keep, keep the residents of the cities and places that they were driving in safe as well. So, and I would take the trucks back to the yard and swap them out with my driver on the route when needed. We couldn't get someone else to do it sometimes. So it was a nice thing to, to be able to go and get that, that commercial driver's license and, and do that. And I honestly, I learned more from them, the drivers, about driving a massive vehicle than I ever taught them. So that's why this one is called Lessons from the Garbage Men, not for them. And there, and there is the spirit of Lessons from Everywhere. In and of itself, never underestimate what someone can teach you. No matter what their title or status or age or years of experience happens to be, never squander that opportunity hidden in plain sight. Even if you hate them. <laughs> Even if it's somebody you can't stand. Take the opportunity to learn something from how they're treating you or what, what maybe others aren't learning because of the way that they are. Take the opportunity to, to learn something from them. If you feel like they're not treating you fairly, get, get yours out of it. Get your, your lesson and your intel from that person. And don't ever, don't ever like look up or down at anyone and say like, oh, that, this, I can't learn what they learn because they're so great or, I, or they're below me, right? We're all, we're all peers in this. Um, everybody was pooping in diapers. Relatively speaking, a few minutes ago, if you think about how short life is. So make sure that you that you seize that carpe diem on the on the opportunity to learn from from everything and everybody. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna start diving in on, on today's topic. So 10 tips from the garbage men and, and one bonus tip is what I've got for you today. Uh, and these have the benefit of teaching you unexpectedly how to drive better than perhaps you ever have in any vehicle. But more importantly, it has the dual purpose of some incredibly powerful reminders and tips for navigating the road of life calmly and confidently when you have a heavy load to carry and the stakes are pretty high. As you go through life, you'll see that there's more responsibilities, no matter what your age is. Um, well, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't been 50 or 60 or 70, but my understanding is that is that usually there's, there's there's a heavy load to carry until you get up into the 70s, um, and even then you've got your own challenges, right? So the first five tips in the list are part of this safe driving system that was invented several decades ago for all types of truck drivers, not just garbage truck drivers, but something that I think should be taught to everyone on the road, not just truck drivers, people in cars, whoever's behind the wheel of a, of a piece of metal that's that's flying through space and time <laughs> this should be something that everyone learns and i didn't learn it when, when i was in driver's ed I, you know we learned how to parallel park and read the signs and everything on the road and and when to turn left on a on a green whatever that is and and this system all the any if any truck drivers are listening they already know what this is and maybe they're sick of it it's called the the smith system I think I could give you a new angle on this if if, it, if you already know what it is. Um, so so hang with me. And then there's so there's five tips from that one. I don't claim any kind of trademark on that or 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 anything there. But um, the uh, then the other five tips are ones that I learned at just at different points from being curious and asking the best drivers we had just questions about you know their job and the road and as I was trying to figure out how to drive this big hole. 50,000 pound truck, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't out ruin everything. And, uh, and they were super helpful. So without further ado, that, sorry, that was a lot of lead up to the list. Let's just dive right in. So number one on the Smith system, 
aim high in steering. And what this is, is, you know, it's kind of misunderstood if like, if you just kind of go with your gut feeling like, okay, yeah, yeah. You need to keep your eyes on the road. Um, but what we would teach is that, you know, the peripheral vision when you're driving a, a big truck, if you, it doesn't go up. So we, what we would do is we'd have people in our safety room where we're kind of teaching new drivers that had never driven before. We, we put like an eraser or something on the ground in front of them. And we'd say, can you see that? Right. And they'd look down at it and they'd say, yeah. And then we'd have something as they look down at it and we'd say, okay, keep your eyes, keep your head and your eyes on that. The way that, that thing that's right down in front of you, immediately in front of you. Can you see what this sign says? And we'd be out at the other end of the room. And they'd say, no, because peripheral vision goes down if you're looking, if you're aiming high, but it doesn't go up. So if you get overly fixated, some people might call it tunnel vision, whatever it is, on something in your life, having a vision in life helps you determine what's coming and how to prepare for it. You know, uh, on the road, literally in a garbage truck, you'd be white knuckling that steering wheel if you weren't looking straight ahead, especially if you had a full, if it was fully loaded with all the heavy trash and then somebody slams on their brakes off in the distance and you didn't expect it because you're just focusing on this one car in front of you. The same thing happens in life where it's, if you don't have a vision for the long term. And let your peripheral vision keep keep eyes on on this thing that's right in front of you. Then it's kind of hard to determine what's coming and prepare for it. And it's a key component in perspective, which is one of the major tenets of this podcast. Number two, get the big picture. Now that maybe sounds like the same thing, but it's not just about what's up ahead. It's about what all the pieces of the picture are what we would always say to try to fool people is we'd say, how many, how many sides does your vehicle have? And they'd say four, you know, front, back, left, and right. And, we, and then with a sly smile, we'd say, nope, it has six because it's got the top and bottom. And oftentimes we'd have like a, a driver that was going to pick up a commercial load. They have these forks on the front and they have to lift it up. And they, if they're not thinking about what's above the vehicle, they could easily break something. They could catch those forks on on something up above. There's a lot of things that could happen. And they're not they're not at a full state of awareness there. Same thing with under under the, the vehicle. Um, just because there's no no immediate threats in your your field of vision, even if you're looking at your rear view mirror or your backup camera, doesn't mean there's nothing coming from underneath. And I would ask. You know, with the relation to life here, what angles are you not seeing? Not just as a, as a kind of a way to say, oh, what threats I could, uh, I need to be anxious here and figure out what, what might be a problem that I'm going to run into, but more, are, are we really keeping our eyes open for opportunities to, to grow, whether that be in relationships, whether that be in, in work and business whatever that category is spiritually, are we, are we seeing all the angles and, and sides of our life as much as we, we should? Okay. That was number two, get the big picture. Number three, keep your eyes moving. And this is a big one because adapting and improvising as you drive down the road, there's going to be crazy stuff that happens. Somebody will blow a tire and go sideways on the road. Somebody will come race it up the, the left side of you when you thought you'd left a cushion to, to, to go over there. And if you're not adapting and improvising and, and keeping keep continuing to check your mirrors, know where everything is around you on a constant kind of state of awareness, then you're going to be in some real trouble. And adapting and improvising means you're not so, in life, it means you're not so inflexible and rigidly following this plan that you refuse to be aware of and respond to the unexpected events and hazards and opportunities 
that inevitably will show up because you, oh, you just got to work your hand, your, your, your plan. You planted a flag. You got to walk towards it. Somebody could show up with a, a treasure chest full of gold and all of your, your favorite, most wonderful dreams that you ever wanted on your way to that, on your way to that, um, that plant, that plan that you have where you planted the flag and you just keep going right past. I mean, we do this. We miss out on opportunities to to have a moment and slow down time, be with our loved ones, um, because we're we're not adapting to to the situation at hand. It's good to have a plan, but it's it's also good to be flexible. So, number four, leave yourself an out. And what this is is basically it's a, an appropriate following distance for the speed and conditions. So if you're driving down the road, you know you got this fifty thousand pound truck. And there's only three car lengths in front of you. Car slams on its brakes. That's a bad following distance because you're you're gonna you're not gonna be able to slow down. Even if it had, does have air brakes and it's you know state of the art new brand new truck with all the the bells and whistles, you're probably not gonna be able to slow down in time. And you didn't have to take that risk. You could have left yourself a little bit more of a, of a runway or a buffer, or you know maybe you should have been thinking about okay. Where will I split off if and when this happens? Do I have buffers on the sides to be able to move out of this lane if I need to? And, and that's the whole thing is in life is it's, it's about allowing yourself to get momentum because we're not just going to be so cautious and like drive two miles per hour and have a 80 truck, 80 car following distance. Cause then nothing would ever happen on the highway. And we would never get all our stops picked up in time. And we wouldn't achieve any of our goals. We want to be able to get the get enough momentum and take the inherent risks that come with it, the, th- the different moves and things that we make in our life, but not in a, in a way that's unnecessarily reckless. That's even hard for me to say because I love being reckless. I love, I love just charging ahead. And just going for it. Who cares what the consequences are? We'll, we'll deal with that later. We could take the we could take the hits and, and just keep moving. And wonderful stuff's going to happen just as a as a consequence of of not being you know sitting and resting on our laurels. But I also have <laughs> taken some big hits because of, because of doing that. And now just looking at it, I say, you know what? I'm still going to be. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to charge ahead. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to let all these risks keep me from doing what I want to do and what I want to go after. I'm just going to be smart about it. I'm going to pay more attention as I go through life and figure out, okay, how can I cover myself off? You know, just like in martial arts, if so, if you go, if you think you've got a perfect technique and you throw that and you get up, you get stood up (laughs) with whatever they had. Because you didn't, you didn't have a plan for what happens if it doesn't work, or you just weren't aware. You're gonna be, you're gonna be sitting flat on your back, and it's just not fun. It's not necessary always. Um, it's still, it's still good to go out and give it a shot. But giving it a shot is better than nothing. But, but I think this is a better way to leave yourself an out. Number five of the Smith system is make sure they see you. Sometimes we think we know what someone is going to do because we see them. But we're overconfident if we don't make sure they see us. In the trash truck, you got to assume the risk is higher if they don't see you. So say there's a little girl walking across the road, across, uh, across a crosswalk, and you can see her. And... She hasn't looked up. She can't see you. But it doesn't look like she's necessarily going to cross the road. Are you going to make a move until you can see her and and communicate with her or her mom or whoever it is to get a little wave and acknowledgement and make sure that you understand each other before you make your move? You don't want to ruin anybody's lives, your own life or the life of that little girl, that family, because you just felt like moving right along and and you assumed they they could see you. Please don't misinterpret this as the need for 
constant attention and notoriety and praise from others. That's not what I mean by make sure they see you and in the kind of the life parallel here. Make sure they see you is about being sure that people know your values and intentions and giving them the best opportunity to interact with you in a healthy way. And if they refuse to see you, just be careful so you don't get run over or you don't run over them, run them over by <laughs> unintentionally. Communication's hard. It's, it's a tough thing. Sometimes we think we got it because we spoke something with our mouth, but did we understand? Did they understand us? What filters are they running everything through? Make sure they see you. Okay. That's the end of the Smith system. Hopefully you can drive better now on the road and in life. And now going on to number six, these are some cool ones that I learned just kind of as I was, as I was figuring this thing out and trying to figure out how to drive this big old truck. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a lot harder than driving just a, a Duramax or something. Um, the next one is I was talking to this, this one driver who had been in a couple accidents and almost lost a job for it. And I said, well, what if, what, what would you suggest so that I don't make the same mistakes? And he said, Number one thing is don't take more than you need. And I didn't understand what that meant at first, but to give you a little context, backing up is the most nerve wracking thing in a big old truck with all those blind spots. But it's necessary in a front loader, especially the ones that, you know, have that fork that I was talking about on them. You have to be able to pull up to a, gar a big old, you know, commercial garbage thing that you see on behind the businesses, put the forks in it, flip it over your head into the top of the hopper or the container of the truck and then there's nowhere else to go but backward from there and sometimes you get into some tough situations when you have to back up um you, it's it's like you feel almost like you're backing you're backing into this place where there's just going to be people walking or or whatever it is or there may be another it may be kind of tight and you're thinking i don't know i, I don't even know how i got in here in the first place how am i possibly going to back out and not hit anything so it's super nerve wracking. And the question, don't take more than you, the, the piece of advice, don't take more than you need is basically saying, how much do you really need to be able to turn around or get your vehicle pointed in the right direction to get back on the road? And maybe next time you're backing up, you'll see what I mean. You don't have to necessarily back into danger and, and, and go right onto the busy street or you can make enough, or can you make a, a big enough pivot in the alley opening or the parking lot to get your front wheels facing the street? I, I after that, I, I never, I never would, would would back up further just so I could do a a single point turn. I'll do I'll do a hundred point turn if I need to, especially when I'm driving that big old death machine. So think about this on our life. So often we have learned to pretend that we have no blind spots. Or that we can go right up to the edge of a stupid risk and nothing bad will happen because it hasn't before. And we've done it lots of times. It only takes once and then, and then you just think, man, I should have thought about following that, that piece of advice. Or we feel a little wrong about doing something, but we ignore it and push past it. Sometimes we also just take more than we need in other ways. In our relationships with our life, with the world. There's this economic principle that's maybe kind of controversial, but it's called the tragedy of the commons. And what it is, it's acting only in your own self-interest. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Or it doesn't mean, it, you know, it could backfire not just on you, but on your entire ecosystem. Like if I put out a bunch of cookies... And someone just came and stole them and ate them all because they didn't weren't sure when they were going to see them again. And they kind of they kind of jacked everybody else up. And we can have contentious debates on on this, especially if we get into the politically charged categories. But that is not the point of that I'm focused on here. The point is that there is a fundamental question in principle here: Am I taking more than I need? Am I consuming more than I am creating and contributing and producing? If the answer is yes, 
We should be asking ourselves, if I can shift that balance to contributing more than I consume, then I, then you'll have averted disappointment and pointing yourself and pointing ourselves towards more fulfillment in the journey. It's just how it works. And it, the only way to, to, to believe this and to know whether I'm full of crap or not is to go out and try it. Spend your day taking what you need, but giving back even more. But don't forget to take what you need because <laughs> sometimes we, we try to only give and we forgot, we forget to take care of ourselves. So just think about that balance and, and hopefully you can skew it in the other direction where, where you're giving more than you, than you take. Because in reality, you're probably getting more than you think. Anyway, moving on to number seven here. When in doubt, get out and look. How many times have you said I'm, and, and this one is, this one has to do kind of with the back, the, you know, don't take more than you need the backing up in the truck. Um, you're like, ah, I might be pretty close to that. You probably have experienced this in, in a car when you're parallel parking, or even when you're just trying to take, maybe if you drive a bigger vehicle and you're trying to take that little tight turn to get past that other car, around that other car, and you're like, oh, I, I might be about to touch that, hit that thing. You know, especially if you're not used to that new vehicle and kind of the depth of it. You maybe you get really close. Maybe you have scratched somebody up before because you thought you had enough room, but you didn't. Or maybe, you know, you were like, ah, maybe, maybe. And then you hear that boom, and you're like, dang it. Shouldn't have done that. My question to you is, how many times have you said, I'm just going to double check on something, and you've been so glad that you did? That's what get out and look is. Think about, you know, if you're a parent, that that parental instinct just out of the blue, all of a sudden you're, you're thinking, I think I need to check on this kid or I don't know where they are. Maybe I should go spot check. Not like a helicopter parent or some overly paranoid person, but just you get this feeling like, huh, I should probably go figure out what this is or what's going on outside. Maybe it's a, a little, that kind of like spidey sense you get before you send that email at work. That maybe is a little bit spicy. <laughs> It was before you commit to some major project when somebody's trying to get, you know, all the resources they need for something. And they say, can you help us on this? And wanting to be helpful, you say, yeah. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, wait, wait, what is this? What Should I? <laughs> How much am I committing to here? Maybe it's just some development in your life or at work that you need to take a closer look at. Or to call a friend or a loved one that you just had a hunch to call either for your benefit or for theirs. The key here is that you are not always going to be so cautious that you never get anything done, but that when you are in doubt, that's the, it's not just get out and look. It's not go check every little thing. When you're in doubt, if you have that little bit of doubt, unless you're like a worry ward, you're worried about everything. But if it's just kind of this healthy little feeling of doubt, it's worth taking a minute to think before you act. Get a second opinion. And maybe it comes back that you were, you were just being paranoid. But do, do a deeper gut check. Like if the drivers were, were just stuck getting out and look every time they, they, they went to back up, oh my goodness, they, that w they would never be profitable. We, they, we couldn't have a business. But when they were nervous and they were thinking, that's kind of a tight, close call, Maybe I should just go check and see see if I can go a little bit further to get out of here. We have heard so many accidents doing it that way. And, and really, like, we should be doing these deeper gut checks on ourselves. Examine that contract a little closer. Ask someone to clarify what they meant when you're talking to them. Like I was saying before, sometimes we think we think we get it, but we didn't get it. We didn't get what they were trying the message they were trying to deliver to us. We didn't get what they were hoping to to do there. So just saying, could you clarify a little bit? <laughs> maybe it puts another minute behind, maybe it puts you another minute behind on what you're doing. But it could be the most valuable minute of your life. <laughs> All right, number eight, rock and roll. Bet you didn't expect that one. Most vehicles have the piece of the frame or the post that sits on either side of the windshield, essentially supporting the roof of the vehicle. 
Like if you just look out your windshield and you see the two posts on the side of it in your car, that's what I'm talking about. Sometimes there's like an airbag thing in the, in those curtains or whatever. Um, and you can see clearly in 180 degrees out the windshield and the driver and passenger door windows when you're driving forward, right? You can see, you can kind of see everything that's going on around you, at least for uh, 180. If you're not, if you're not looking in the mirrors and, and looking behind you, but we think it's 180 degrees clear, but there's a blind spot that's often overlooked because our brains kind of stitch it all together for us. We complete the picture even though there's something blocking a piece of it. Because uh, that's what our brains do. What might be perfectly hidden behind that post on either side of the windshield could be a huge, uh, you know, something that, that you're... The person that, that that's behind you, could, you, could, you could be in serious danger if you're not thinking about something being potentially behind there. If you're waiting for an opening to turn onto a busy road in traffic, it's easy to think, oh, the coast is clear. I'm going for it. This is my, I haven't had a gap between all these cars that I'm trying to turn left on. And I got this huge vehicle. I better, I better make, a, make a shot for it now or I'm never going to get out. But the, dri- the garbage truck drivers have a term they call the rock and roll. In other words, rock and roll in your seat before you pull out to make sure there's not a motorcycle or a pedestrian perfectly timed and hidden from your view behind that post. This is about the blind spots that are right in front of you. Don't skip the important steps just because you're in a hurry or you don't want to miss an opportunity. Or someone is a backseat driver telling you to get after it in your life. Make sure there's enough space and intentional design in your life to not have to be rushing from one thing to the next, or you will inevitably forget something. You'll overlook the important stuff, and you're going to make a stupid mistake. Number nine, vehicle condition report. Every morning before driving off the lot, and every night before clocking out, you're looking at your tires, your lug nuts chains for the weather if you're if there's a snowy day you want to make sure you have those so you don't get out there and be stuck you want to see if there's any damage there's leaks you're checking your gas level so you're not driving off the lot with no gas getting all the way out to your route and then having to go backtrack checking your oil levels anything out of the ordinary and if it's the beginning of the day and it's something that is not right you fill up the tire you get enough gas, you take it into the shop, or you get a different truck before you head out to your route. Because either you could kill someone or not be able to do that basic function of, of the truck, or if there is already some damage, pushing it any further could cause even worse damage, like way more expensive damage by, by pushing something. I mean, think about if there was no if the oil was low or the, the pan was leaking. Hundred thousand to three hundred thousand dollar truck just seized up the engine. How often are we checking in on our own vehicle, which is our mind and our body, at the beginning and at the end of the day? I'm taking a, co- a couple courses right now on on the the morning ritual and and the intention that we set for the day being the most important thing that we can do, and in the evening allows us to catch anything that may have developed during the day that we may have missed. And in my case, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I, I didn't do the vehicle condition report for too long on my mind. I let too many things build up and break down. And I just kept taking the truck back out thinking, ah, charge ahead anyway. It's the right thing to do. Because I need to be on time and come through for everybody. I need to pick up these stops on time. Well, if we're not sitting here thinking, okay, what's eating at me today? How can I, how can I let go of that? What do I need to do to make this better? How can I fix this piece of, of my life that's really slowing me down? Then we're, <laughs> we're not doing our, our, our vehicle condition report. And number 10 is drop back 10 and punt. I know that doesn't sound like garbage truck terms, and neither did rock and roll. 
But the, the point of this one is you need to know what you will do when you shouldn't keep going and pretending business is, is fine as usual. I had this dispatcher, and, you know, I'd often work with this, one of our disp with our dispatchers to figure out a way to make it all work in a safe way with limited time and resources. And sometimes when I would go and ask them, because they could see kind of where every driver was on their route and they'd have radios and everything. I'd say, who's available nearby to help us get everything picked up because we're running behind on this route. And we'd sit there and we'd put our heads together in this think tank and we'd look at all the maps, we'd roll them all out and we'd say, okay, Javier's over here. Ah, he's, he's, he's on his way back to the, to the lot and he has no gas and he's over his, his hours allotment for the Department of Transportation. We can't use him. And then we'd sit there and, and eventually, sometimes, and maybe he said this a little too often because it was an easy out, the dispatcher would look at me and just shrug his shoulders and say, drop back 10 and punt, which I knew meant he had we had to cut our losses and figure it out another way or pick it up on another day and apologize to the customer and plan our routes and contingencies better moving forward. That usually was a longer process of problem solving. And it wasn't really an emergency, but it's still usually a punt. But sometimes, you know, in the garbage business, the drivers relied on me to call the play when they got into certain tough situations on the route. And while we're always expected to harp on the sore subject of efficiency and quickly picking up all the stops on the route and measured promotions and bonuses based off of number of lifts or how much weight you collected per hour. That ever-increasing pressure, driven by the stockholders, <laughs> was often at odds with the most important overriding factor, which is safety. And the quickest way to get fired was to ignore or be careless when it comes to safety. For the driver themselves, the business, the businesses they were serving, and the people on the streets and the alleys and the roads of their routes. If we weren't putting that first... And we ever let efficiency or like the kind of the hurry to get everything picked up and get a bonus, get ahead of things. It was super counterintuitive because the safety would be at risk. And because of that, that safety piece, other times the punt was incredibly obvious and immediate. One day I'm at the office and I hear on my radio, hey boss, you got a copy? I have an emergency. I'm thinking, great. All right, copy, what's up? My driver, my load is on fire. What that means is sometimes the trash in the hopper or the back of the garbage truck would catch on fire, often because someone put their charcoal briquettes or some other restricted flammable combustible thing in their garbage toter. Copy that. Where are you? In the truck in Lakewood at these specific cross streets, whatever he said. Me. Can you get out? Driver, I'm in the middle of the road. Can you see an open parking lot? Yes, there's an old church with no cars in the parking lot about 50 feet away. Is the truck itself on fire? Is the fire or smoke in the cab? I'm just freaking out at this point thinking, man, I hope he's okay. No, I think it's just the load right now. Okay, pull the truck into the parking lot, and if the truck is on fire, just get out. If not, dump all the trash into the middle of the parking lot as quickly as you can. And hold, I need you to hold on to your radio and get as far away from the truck and the trash can as you can and radio me back. I'm calling the, 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 the fire department. Copy? Okay, over. I'll be right back. And then about two or three minutes later. Okay, Nate, that's done. Me. Are you okay? Are you, are you far away from the truck and trash? The driver. Yes, the trash is all on fire and a huge blaze in the parking lot, and I'm in the neighborhood across the street. Is it close to anyone or anything else that could get caught on fire or, or, or burnt? The driver. No. Is the truck still on fire? No, it's just steaming where the trash was dumped out. Okay, good. Fire department is on their way. Tell them what happened and let them... Let them be the ones to put it out. Don't you try to do anything. Make sure no one walks anywhere near that parking lot or breathes any of that stuff in. I'm on my way out there as well. I'll, I'll call the number for the church and let them know we'll pay for the parking lot. 
Copy. Thanks, Nate. This is so crazy. See you soon. I took another empty garbage truck out to the driver, got a nearby driver to help him finish his route on time. And then I spent the rest of my day in a bobcat, scooping wet melted trash into a construction roll-off container. I had another driver drop off next to the mess and putting the pastor's mind at ease <laughs> that they were going to be getting a brand new parking lot. So they should, <laughs> they should look at on this as a blessing. Uh, I was, I was so glad I had already trained on this exact situation and I had mentally prepared what questions to ask and how to respond and what to recommend based on each answer in each moment. And maybe this seems like a funny story in a close call because no one got hurt and damage was minimal and not permanent. And we still got all the trash picked up that day. So we kind of laugh about it now, but knowing when and how to punt is the only thing that kept a much worse outcome or even multiple tragedies from potentially happening. Because uh, I, I think I've mentioned this a couple of times already here, but a loaded garbage truck is like a 50,000 pound bomb on wheels. They're known to explode from accidents, even when they're not already filled with burning trash. <laughs> Just Google it. But when that bomb on wheels, and when the fuse gets lit, the priority shifts entirely from getting the trash picked up on time and making money and keeping customers happy to protecting people's lives and safety and taking as little damage to any property as possible in that order. Chaos is something that happens. It's inevitable. But deciding ahead of time how we will handle it and what will be our state of mind is so valuable. Do you know what it will look like if some area of your life needs immediate attention? It may not be as scary as or, or life-threateningly obvious as a burning garbage truck or a military conflict with bullets flying everywhere. But that's not the point. The point is readiness is an exercise we sh should be running through. And I, maybe I sound like a dork for saying that, but oh, because you may still get blindsided and, and we can't prepare perfectly for everything. But don't squander the opportunity to learn and be ready. Like what if, what if a football team was playing, they were, you know, they're, they're back on the other side, far away from there at the end zone that they're going after. It's fourth and 20 and they didn't punt. That's a no brainer. We, we all know that because it's, that's what you do in that situation. And, and these are all very, you know, let's say you do get blindsided. You could still use that experience to prepare yourself and others for next time. That's kind of what I'm doing with this podcast. I'm telling you some of the stuff not to do because I've made mistakes. And we should learn from, from the things that we do wrong and, and spread, the, spread the word to others. Like, I wouldn't go down that road. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of things like this that are all very great ways to remind yourself to travel through life well. But I do have just one worry in sharing this set of perspectives on preparedness with you. Um, I just don't, I don't want it to shift into this feeling of uh, let's, let's spend our whole lives worried about what might happen. Lots of things have kept not, if, if you don't keep them in check, they can have a dark side and, and actually do you more harm than good. Sometimes an obsession with preparation without the necessary, like the correct mindset it can be a real trap. All this sort of worst case scenario, what if planning can cause you to shift into a stressed mental state of paranoia and anxiousness that is also more painful than real life sometimes. <laughs> There's an old quote from the early 1900s that explains how excessive worrying is not really the point of being ready. It's attributed to a lot of people, but it kind of always comes back to an, some old anonymous old man where it says, I've been surrounded by troubles all my life long, but there is a curious thing about them. Nine tenths of them never happened. And so how do you prepare, but also not be paranoid? And the antidote to that is today's bonus tip from the garbage man. And then we'll be done. The bonus tip is stop freaking out. When I was taking my first truck out into the city and the beltway and to the tight alleyways and spots as part of my 
practice for the CDL test. I had one of our best, most experienced drivers come out with me and let me drive to the stops on his route. And to me, I felt like I was hitting or running over the cars on both sides of me. The darn thing felt like it was so top heavy and about to roll over. And all I could think was, man, this is going to be so embarrassing. If I crash this thing, everyone, I'm going to be the laughing stock. Or I'm going to be so ashamed and my life will be over if heaven forbid someone gets hurt because of me. And I was so preoccupied with all the hazards and the horror stories that it, I had heard that I was absolutely just tripping. And as I pulled the garbage truck out of the yard and headed toward his route, the driver I was with noticed I was acting funny and started to laugh under his breath. I said, what? <laughs> trying to hide my state of fear and trying to be macho man. And he says, dude, stop freaking out or you are going to wreck this thing. And I'm like, what? Just still trying to pretend. He goes, if you don't just chill and drive this like it's a bigger version of your Jeep, you are going to psych yourself out. And I started laughing. And I realized just how right he was. Calm is a great way to drive through life. There's more energy and clarity and direction and confidence and consistency when we're calm than when we're all frazzled and overcharged and caffeinated with anticipation, just pumped up like we're going into a, you know, a battle or football game or, or whatever it is. But the best, even the best athletes and everyone that's been in all these different situations, doesn't matter what it is, they'll tell you to relax and, and let your training kick in. Believe that life is good and go get them. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Every single time I do this, I get a little more fired up and my bonfire grows a little bit more. If you're feeling the same way and like you got value out of this, would you do me a favor and go onto the show page in your Spotify or Apple podcast or wherever you're listening to this and leave a rating and click follow. That way you never miss another episode of the show and it helps me immensely to keep the momentum and keep bringing the good stuff for you. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks. Thanks.